Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby to Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to follow along, we're gonna be in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Uh... So the other day, well, it was last week. I don't remember what day it was, but I got some feedback. Uh, you know, a lot of y'all are really great about telling people to come to Save the Cowboy, listen to Save the Cowboy. You can watch it online. You can listen to podcasts on Spotify, Amazon. I mean, all the major Google, I, uh, iPhone, all of that stuff, right? And so a lot of you tell other people about it. And I got some feedback the other day from a friend of mine that said, hey man, I, 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 I was working with these people and I was telling them about Save the Cowboy and they was real interested. And so they started listening to your podcast. And I was like, man, that's great. And he said, well, this is what they said. <laughs> I said, what did they say? And they came back to me and they said, this is my friend talking. He said, they came back to me and they said, man, we love the messages, but we just have a, we have a question. And they're like, okay, well, what's your question? He's like, is Kevin a real cowboy? <laughs> and he said, well, why do you ask that? And he said, because it, with all of his stories, it doesn't sound like he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Let me clear the air right here, okay? This is a valid point. This is a valid point. Number one, I am not that great of a cowboy. I can get the job done, but I'm not that great of a cowboy. And the second thing is that I never know what I'm doing. So those are both very, very valid points. Howdy. I like it. Uh, so yesterday, uh, me and Mitch and Brett and Cammie uh, went over the hill, just just over the hill, and helped a guy uh, brand just a few calves. But boy, they they was big, soggy calves, and so it was it was a head and heel type thing. And you know, I'm not that great of a cowboy, but but I hate groundwork. And, and you'd be amazed at how well you can rope when you don't want to do groundwork. So out of out of however many we did, I think I figured it up, and I was on the head or the heels on three out of four, right? But the reason I got to roping so well was because I had to do groundwork on like the second calf. And I got down there and these big old soggy things, we were pulling on this thing. He had just one hind leg, he slipped a hind leg. So I was trying to tail him down and Cammy was trying to help. And I mean, guys, listen, it was about 83 degrees. And believe it or not, like I checked on my phone, it was 900% humidity. It was crazy. I didn't know it went above 100, but in a branding pen, it does. Now, I'm not a big guy anymore, <laughs> but I don't really sweat a lot. And after that, I got back on my horse and like, listen, the sweat that was coming off of me would have registered on a rain gauge. Okay, and so I thought I was the only one and I started looking around and Mitch is covered and Brett is covered and the guys we were helping, I mean, they were just sopping wet and Cammie, she, she said she was walking around with, well, I'll, the, the church version is she had swamp hiney. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, that, and that's the price we pay, we pay for green gap, grass, right? Humidity and mosquitoes. Listen, I didn't realize... With all this rain we've had this year, 
that I am like a taco truck to mosquitoes. <laughs> I am serious, man. I go out and Cammy just bebops around here anywhere. She, nobody cares anything about her. I walk out and they're like, zzz, zzz, right in my face, right? So anyway, but like I said, man, I, we were sweating so bad yesterday morning that it would have registered on a rain gauge. And if you don't think I can tie that in in just a little while, you ain't been to a Save the Cowboy service. So, listen, I've been reading this week in one of, listen, John is, a lot of people say they like Peter, okay? As far as the disciples go. Some people say they like Matthew because, you know, of the obstacles that he overcome being a Jewish tax collector. And, you know, he was basically a traitor to his people. And, and then other people say, you know, like Thomas the doubter and stuff like that, but John, John is my disciple. Man, I, I just love John for, for many reasons. Uh, number one is uh, he, he called himself in the gospel that he wrote. He wrote the gospel of John, and then he wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. That's why they call him John. And um, <laughs> biblical, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fountain of biblical knowledge, okay? And, um, but John is, he called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. And I mean, like, I'm sorry, but that, that's confidence right there, man. He don't say one of the disciples that Jesus loved. I mean, he put himself up there like, I am the disciple that Jesus loved, right? And so I love reading the Gospel of John, but this, this week I was in 1 John, and man, I, I guess I had never read 1 John a, as a book instead of just passages, uh, famous passages or anything like that. And so I've read through 1 John probably five or six times, and I knew that there was something in there that God wanted me to speak about, but my gosh, it's like, it's like being at a dessert buffet. Right? And you can only, you know, you can only pick three things. It, it's, it's very difficult. But 1 John is a letter about God's love. I mean, over and over and over, John talks about God's love for us. And throughout the whole book, he talks about, he calls all of us and himself God's children. Children. Dear children. Children, I want you to believe. And it, it's just an amazing, but it's not just about love. Mixed in there are some very, very hard truths that John very eloquently uh, puts out there. But I think more than anything, 1 John is about real love, about, about love between people and love uh, between God and, and us and stuff like that. And this is what I have learned from 1 John this week. The first thing that I learned or that God pointed out distinctly is that real love is this. Okay? Real love is this right here. Real love is messy. Okay? It, it, it's not one of those just everybody gets along and everybody's feel good and nobody gets their feelings hurt. Nobody has a bad day and pops off and says something they shouldn't. Listen, real love is messy. And we don't have to just hear it from John to know that because even in Matthew, in Matthew 18, which we always talk about, Jesus himself talks about that there's going to be conflict between believers. You know, Matthew 18 tells us that when there is a conflict between believers, this is how you handle it. And, and he lays it out. And basically it says this. If another believer 
now, now th th this is this is important. It says offends probably in your Bible in Matthew 18, 19, and 20. Probably uses the word offends. But let me tell you what that means. It means if some if another believer sins against you. Not that they didn't, you know, say hi. One of my favorite stories is a guy out of Texas went to help a struggling church. And he sat down with the leadership that was bickering and some of the congregation that was bickering and, and they were all just bickering. And he sat down and they finally narrowed it down to the problem started when the pastor was a million miles away one morning thinking about his sermon and one of the elders and a person in the congregation walked up and stuck out their hand and said good morning and the pastor shook their hand but the, but the pastor didn't shake their hand like they meant it. Like he meant it. And I mean, this church nearly split over this, right? And I'll never forget this. I was a brand new pastor when I heard this story. And, and so we're all sitting there with this pastor that went to help him. And he said, so after, we fi after I figured out exactly what went wrong, he said, you know what we need to do? We need to pray right now. He said, we took our hats off and we said, and I said, dear Lord, be with this church. You've got it. You've got a great big plan for it. And just help them not to be stupid anymore. <laughs> and he left, and the church is still going on, right? So just because we're Christians, we are not immune to conflict, right? If someone believes that they've been sinned against, the Bible says if somebody has sinned against you, you go to that person and you talk to them, man to man. Because real love is this. It's messy. It's messy. And I guarantee you, if you want to change your life, if you want real love to rule your life, put this into account right now. That if you have a problem with somebody, you go to that person right then. You don't accuse them. You talk to them about it. Because here's the gist of Matthew 18. There's several steps that Jesus lays out that this is how you handle church conflict. This is how you handle conflict between believers. But here's the deal. In the end, it's always about reconciliation. It's about making up, not trying to figure out who's right or wrong. It's not about the problem. It's about unity. Right? But real love is messy. And I don't remember who was telling me. It might have been Mitch or somebody, one of these smart people we employ. But somebody said they heard a pastor's tell their congregation if you come and say something to me about somebody else you've got 24 hours to go tell them yourself where I'm going to and I'm telling I'm telling them who said it now listen that's real love now that may you know and I know in your mind you're like well what if you know you're no <laughs> no that that's real right there that's biblical that is biblical so don't be surprised if one day you come to me now I'll talk to you about you all day long but I'm not going to talk to you about somebody else because that's biblical, right? Now, there's more steps, you know, than just going to them in person. I mean, the second step is if you can't, if you still can't come back together as, as brothers or brother and sister or sister and sister, then, then take another witness. And the goal is always reconciliation. It's not trying to say who's right and who's wrong and, and, and quit waiting on an apology because, quite frankly, you may not get it. And do you really need it? I mean, do you really need an apology from somebody? Man, let it go. Let it go. And I know that that's tough, but that's real, right? Yes, the offended party's goal, the person that was sinned against, should go and talk to the person that did the offending or did the sinning.
And remember, that's why I hate the word offended because everybody's offended by something these days. We'd be talking to each other all day long. Well, I don't like your shirt. Well, I don't like your chair, you know. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to bring a chair. You know, my goodness, we're talking about sin. Somebody has sinned against you, not that there's a disagreement of opinion, right? So maybe we could say that real love is this. It's messy. But maybe when we're talking about conflict, real love is this. Make up or shut up. I mean, I know that that's tough. And that's really messy for a preacher to stand on a flatbed trailer in the middle of a pasture and say, because I know that there's some deep wounds, but what God wants from us is unity and reconciliation, not division, okay? Real love, man, it's messy. The second thing that I learned from John about real love is this. And you're going to have to follow me all the way through it. Don't judge me for the title of my point. But real love is this. It's seasonal. Sometimes it's temporary. Sometimes it's transitional. Okay? The Gospel of John is my favorite because how it starts. Now get this. <laughs> I bet none of you, well, Jay probably because he knows a lot more about the Bible than I do. Uh, that's why he's my pastor. But <clears throat> besides Jay, you got to be a pretty good biblical scholar to get what I'm fixing to say. The Gospel of John, not 1 John, but the Gospel of John starts out like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's talking about Jesus Christ, right? And then, so it goes on, and then Jesus gets baptized. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And I mean, like, there's no genealogy... Um, it starts out with that, the creation of the world. I always say that the Bible doesn't start at Genesis 1-1. Anyway, next up is Jesus' baptism, right? And that's a cool thing because the dove comes down and, you know, uh, John the Baptist says, I'm not the one that you're looking for. I'm just the one that's crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way. Behold, the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. He's right there. He gets baptized. The dove comes down. And then right after that, he goes out into the wilderness, right? We know that, but that's in a different gospel. But in the gospel of John, the next thing that happens is he starts calling his disciples, right? All of them. All 12. Now, some of them don't start following him right away, but he calls his disciples. So we've got the beginning of the world, the baptism, the call of the disciples. The next thing that happens is the wedding at Cana, which he did what? He turned water to wine, right? Well, that just really irks the, the people that say you can't drink. I'm just saying. It wasn't real wine. They made grape juice. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. He didn't just make a little bit. He made like 13 gallons of it, man. That is a pachanga, right? And it was the best wine ever made, right? I mean, it was a party, right? So that, that's a kind of one of those verses that, you know, other institutions are like, look, we, we don't talk about the wedding at Cana. You know what the second thing, or right after that, you know what the very next thing, check me if I'm wrong, the very next thing in the Gospel of John is Jesus goes into the temple and flips over tables and makes a bull whip and starts cracking whips. The first two things Jesus did in his public ministry was make a bunch of wine and clear everybody out. Right? I love it. But if you keep going reading John, right? So you get up and, and you read about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal story, right? I keep seeing this quote 
this little meme picture deal on, on social media. And it said, he didn't come for the water, he came for me. And it's supposed to be a quote from the woman at the well. He didn't come for the water, he came for me, right? Love that. So there's the Samaritan. So we've got the wedding at Cana, we got Jesus flipping tables, we got the Samaritan woman, and then we got the feeding of the 5,000. John wastes no time getting into the great things Jesus did, right? So he feeds the 5,000, and then he goes across the lake and they follow him. And they're like, and then Jesus, Jesus is tough dude, man. He looks at them and says, hey, let me tell y'all something. Y'all didn't come over here to hear me preach. Y'all came over here because I fed your bellies yesterday and you think you're going to get something free from me again today, but you're not. Right? That was Jesus, right? And so he starts preaching to, to prove his point. And he got all of these people that were supposedly going to follow him to the day they die. And he starts preaching hard things like, you must die to self. You must be born again. And all of this stuff. And in John chapter 6, and I think it is no... John chapter 6, verse 66. John 6, 6, 6 says this, something along this line. And many of the disciples turned and left Jesus. And Jesus turns to the twelve and asks, are y'all going to leave me too? See, these are, the, these, are the, these are the people that, that Jesus sent out. These are the people that said that they're going to follow Him. Jesus had more disciples than just the twelve. They were just the inner group. Where do you think the, when He sends out the 72, where do you think they came from, right? So, listen, man, not everybody that starts with you is going to finish with you. People are going to come and go throughout your life. And most of that coming and going is going to be marked by joy and tears, right? Most enter for one reason, and sometimes they'll leave for another. A few, they stick around to the end. You know, the hardest part about, one of the hardest parts about being a preacher is, is running into people that used to go to save the cowboy that left because they got mad at me, right? It's like seeing your ex for the first time, right, with their new boyfriend. You run face to face with them and nobody knows how to act. Some of them, they just turn away like they didn't see me. And they walk around and then other times I get the, oh, it's so great to see you. And I get the John the Baptist, it wasn't you, it was me. Right? No, not really. But I'm just saying that, you know, people are going to come and go. It's natural. It's a part of it. You know, uh, some will go away temporarily and come back. Some may never will. Or something like that, man. Real love is tough. It's really, really tough. But, but listen, th this is a little hard, okay? But this is real love, okay? If you let them in and they leave, let them. If you let them in and they leave, let them. Because you love them. Because listen, one of the greatest, the second greatest gift God ever gave us besides His Son that was a sacrifice for our sins, the second greatest gift He ever gave us was a choice. And God offers us that choice. And He offers other people the choice. And if somebody leaves, you got to let them. You know, not one instance did somebody ever leave Jesus and then He went crying to them and trying to convince them to come back. He didn't. 
He just spoke the truth and he loved them. And that's what we're supposed to do. If somebody wants to leave, let them. And still love them. If they come back, that's even better. And we can pray for them, you know, while they're not here. Whether it's a church setting, a family setting, a friend setting, or whatever. Because listen, real love is this. It's seasonal sometimes. See, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's coconuts. You know? Sometimes you reap. And sometimes you sow. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you crash and burn. Sometimes you'll get out of it what you put into it. And other times you'll get more. Maybe less. See, sometimes you'll remember. And sometimes you'll want to forget. But that's the nature of real love. Of loving something that not even God Himself chooses to control. Think about that. God Himself, He could make all of us choose Him, but then it wouldn't be a choice, would it? Real love is based on choice. And sometimes, man, people leave, but I promise you, if I've learned one thing from following God, is that no matter how many leave, more take their place. Friends become family. Family become brothers. Family becomes sisters. The love we have is just a raindrop in the ocean of God's love. Think about that, man. If we're loving with everything we have, man, it is a raindrop in the ocean compared to what God's love for us is. Instead of loving by the sweat of our own brow, even if that sweat is measurable in a rain gauge, thank you very much. <laughs> even if that sweat is measurable in a rain gauge, listen, instead of just drowning in our own sweat, why don't we walk into the waterfall of God's love because too many of us are trying to love through our own strength instead of the strength that God gives us. Our eternity, listen, our eternity comes from His love, not ours, okay? Seriously, think about that. Our eternity comes from His love, not ours. Our security comes from His love not our own strengths. Our righteousness that God sees is a result of Christ's righteousness. In other words, Jesus lived a perfect life and gave it to us and took our sinful life and was punished for it. So even the righteousness that God sees is not our own good deeds. Our own good deeds is like a, a drop of sweat running down our face where God's love is like a waterfall that should pour over us. Our righteousness is a result of what Christ did, not what we did. And see, this, this is real love. It's backwards in what we usually try to do. We are the ones trying to love others. We're the ones trying to love God. We're depending on our own strength. But real love is knowing how much God loves you. And finally, our sins are forgiven by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, not us beating ourselves up about it. And that's powerful if you'll let it be. Because real love is this. 
it's messy. Real love is this. The only permanent love is God's love for us, right? The only permanent love, the only one that will never go anywhere is the love that God has for us. Other people may come and go, and it's hard when that happens. But God's not going anywhere. Real love is messy. Real love is seasonal. But real love is backwards. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. Let's go to Him in prayer. Father, thank You for loving us. I mean, we're, we're just some cowboys and cowgirls in a pasture. But we do love You. And God, I ask that on this Sabbath day that we celebrate, this day of rest, I pray that we can just sit underneath the waterfall of Your love and just let it wash away all of our sin. Let it wash away all of our anger. Let it wash away all of that pride, the things that we worry about, the things that we struggle with. God, maybe just starting today, not just being today, but starting today, we can learn that real love is this. Not that we loved God, but that He loves us. And God, we thank You for sending Your Son, who is our salvation, who is our eternal life. Our eternal life is only found in the fellowship of Jesus Christ and God Himself through a personal relationship. And I invite anybody right now that doesn't have a personal relationship, they don't have to come up here, they don't have to talk to nobody else right now. All they have to do is say, God, you know what? I've been doing this for a long time, but I'm ready to to quit dilly-dallying around and I want to give you my life. Not just my life, but my heart, my everything so that I can get your love in return.